Prepare yourself for a sprawling discussion on just about anything, where critical thinking meets pop culture in a collision of mind-bending proportions. Please secure all neurons and prepare for full frontal cortex. It's time for Incoherent Ramblings. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Incoherent Ramblings' first podcast. Woo! Yay. <laughs> the topic today is storytelling. Let's do some quick introductions. I'm Joey Shamel, and I'll be kind of moderating a little bit today, although a lot of this is going to be freewheeling. Uh, I have a degree in English, but that's not a big deal. I think what's more important here is that I love stories, whether it's books or movies. We also have Kale Anderson. Hello, I'm Kale Anderson, and uh, my background, basically I'm a writer, and I've written several novels and short stories, and obviously I love storytelling also. And we also have Daryl Jors. Howdy. Uh most of my storytelling experience is from the perspective of video, so I've been uh, working with video production since high school and uh, taught a, an adult school video class for a while. And I thought Joey, during his introduction, said free willy for some reason. No, <laughs> no, free wheeling. Oh, okay. Free willies later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kale might need to move a little closer because I think we weren't reading him too much on the mic. All right. So. Come I closer. That. Join us. Okay, so since we're freewilling it <laughs> a little bit, uh, Daryl, you had some ideas on maybe how we can uh, organize this. So what do you think? What, what, what okay. have you thought of? I thought that just since this is experimental for some tenets moving forward, we would say, like, no editing. This is just going to be raw, and we'll just have a pact that we only edit it if um, it's something like we say something by mistake that's damaging or a deep secret of someone's. But other than that, mistakes and all are going right into the thing. All right. Good? All right. Good. The only thing I'd be worried about that would be it gets boring. But Right. Well, that's the thing. If it gets boring, we just got to make it interesting. So. Oh, the pressure's <laughs> I know. On. Huh? <laughs> okay. uh, the, I think related to that is also length. You know, when do we end? How long right. do we go for? Um, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and... Um, Sometimes they're uh, cut for radio, so they're pared down to like 40 minutes or so because they fill an hour on uh, broadcast radio. And then other times they're just these kind of things that like sometimes they're an hour and a half, sometimes they're two hours. They just vary in length from show to show. And I think since we're going no editing, we'll probably just kind of we'll have a feeling when it's wrapping up and we'll just call it quits. Agreed. And yeah. I think the guinea pigs agree as the well. One, the one thing that you might hear is that uh, there are guinea pigs and pet rats in the background. Uh, yes, we are. Uh, and you will hear we are filming from Petco. Uh, guinea pigs drinking water and uh, pet rats running we on We rented wheel. a little space in Richard Gere's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, don't mind next time the I'll uh, like, take the wheel out <laughs> so they can't run on it. <laughs> but then we won't be freewheeling. Okay. So anyway... All right, so that's good. Uh, everyone agree? No length, uh, necessarily. <laughs> what? And um, uh, no editing. Yeah. I, I'm. Well, I suggested those two things, so I think I'm on board. Gail? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's great. The only thing I was wondering is that if maybe because of people or people, there might be times when there's just stuff we just all agree that's got to go. 
Uh, and, sure. And so I would agree to broad editing, but not really. Yeah, because why should it be that? Yeah, you and I should get along so awkwardly. Yeah. <laughs> I was All waiting right. for you to t- to stop so I could say the line. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> Were you trying uh, to pull a Depeche Mode there? No, he Is said that... people are. Never mind. Oh, okay. okay, people uh, are people. Okay, got people it. are people. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, maybe we should get started with the podcast. All right. All right. So storytelling. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's another thing. We have a topic each week. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think I actually think next week should be time travel. And everyone's supposed to scream once when you say the topic name. No. Storytelling. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just Daryl screaming. All right. Okay. So storytelling. Good. Okay. So let's go ahead and get started talking about storytelling. I think a good place to start is probably... uh, from, uh, I think talking about Joey not watching Looper, that's what I think we should begin with. <laughs> well, we were, we were going to have a discussion about that movie. If it was a story, then I played my character quite well because I didn't fulfill my end of the bargain. Are you a Looper? Uh, flaker. Oh, Flaker. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were going to, for those of you out there who don't know, we were going to talk about Looper because... Uh, it was suggested that it was a good movie to talk about with storytelling, but unfortunately, I didn't watch it, which is why I recommend next week we do time travel as our topic, and then we'll talk about Looper, because I'll have seen it by then. About, like, one nanosecond before you said time travel, I'm like, we should do... Oh, okay. Yeah. I can keep my lips shut. Well, that's precognition. That's not time travel. That'll be next Because <laughs> Joey teleported back in time to tell me that. Ah, he whispered in my was. ear. He's like, it's going to be time. Okay, so we didn't watch Looper, but that's okay. So uh, why did why don't we start with why did we want to talk about Actually, storytelling? I have a correction to make. Oh yeah, you didn't watch Looper. <laughs> <laughs> I second that one. <laughs> right on. All right. Touche. <laughs> Since I didn't watch Looper. Uh, why don't we start talking about why we actually started uh, decided to do storytelling? Because when we discussed this, we were at uh, Robbins and we decided storytelling would be good. Who came? Was it you, Daryl? Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why, why did you want to do storytelling? What was the What was the point of that? Because it was something that was fresh in my mind. And um, oh, uh, the twenty twelve bit. The, the horrible movie you saw. No, no, I saw 2012. That's what must have That's started what, it, right? Well, it wasn't 2012. It was 40 Days and Nights. Right, 40 Days and right. Nights. And that's what kind of... Not the comedy. <laughs> not the comedy. <laughs> not 2002. At, right, if you're no. looking it up on IMDb, it's going to be the one from 2012. It's, it's, yeah, and it's a horrible yeah. uh, independent film, and it's... Uh, 40 Days and Nights. That's the correct title of okay. it, and it was bad. Oh, that's why we couldn't find anything. Yeah. So then, Daryl, you started to think about storytelling, because what were you saying? Well, was... I came there prepared for that topic. Oh, I see. And um, one of the things that happened is I had recently watched the movie The Dam Busters, and that was one of the things that got me into that topic, because it's a movie that is about a piece of history. It's about the British bombing uh, German dams using the, uh, at the time, very new... Um, experimental bouncing bombs and it was a lot of the movie focused on the development of uh, how they had to experiment to create those bombs and the technology that went into it and the dangerous missions over enemy territory to go do the bombing runs Um, and it's kind of a landmark movie from the 50s and it uh, was uh, released 12 years to the day after the uh, bombing runs were made in World War II and 
um, it just got the wheels turning because there was something kind of controversial in it that I knew if this movie is ever remade, and there are some rumors out there that Peter Jackson might be looking at this movie as something to do, that kind of sprung up, bef- those rumors sprung up before he was uh, actually directing The Hobbit. So now he has this trilogy to complete, but maybe after The Hobbit's finished, he might be doing a remake of The Dam Busters. And uh, so what made this really sink in with me is I know that they would probably change at least one aspect of the movie, uh, taking it away from historical accuracy, but bending it toward something that's a little more politically correct. And um, there's a dog in the movie that uh, I should probably be looking up information here because now I can't remember anyone's name. But um, there's a dog in the movie that the uh, leader of the flight squadron that does the mission had and there's a pretty pivotal point the same day that they do the mission the dog the spoiler alert by the way if you ever want to watch that it's okay but the dog gets hit by a car and this is actually historically accurate the dog gets hit by a car um the, during while they're doing the mission planning uh and that night they're going to go off and uh, bomb these dams and that affected him a lot because he was close to that dog but uh the part of it that's controversial is the dog's name if they redo this movie, they I would probably they were going to eat the dog. They would probably <laughs> rename it. No, <laughs> I, was, I was ready for that. No, no the, the the rumors were that if if Peter Jackson remakes this movie, he's going to rename the dog Digger because the dog's name was, actually was, was N word. N word, right? Oh, <laughs> I see. I see. Okay, so that's what got the gears turning about that. Is you know this is. Is it more important to be historically accurate since the dog's name really was N-Word? Or is it okay to change something like that because it's really not important to the overall story? However, yeah. it's a part of history, right? Right. And they use the actual names of all the people involved on the British side. So why change the name of one character just because it might offend and Then you get people. to the whole Huck Finn idea of uh, classic. Yeah, should you censor the classics? Right, right. definitely. So is it better to portray things as they were or should you try to clean things up and say, you know, it's, it isn't nice to use language like that. We should. It's naughty. That's naughty language. Don't right. use that. I think that, that they should change things like that because I think it gets too distracting. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets too distracting from the movie. And right. now with uh, special features and everything, they can make their featurette and then tell everybody that this dog was actually named nigger, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Whereas that would not offend somebody to right. see it in the commentary. Oh yeah, I think a good point. I think also a good one way we need to look at storytelling is by splitting it up into kind of the idea of kind of a, a storytelling in its basic form, where mm-hmm. you're sto- telling a story to tell that story. You don't care who necessarily sees it or hears it but you want to say it in a truthful way versus a story you actually want to get to the mass media, the mass public, as many people as possible. Because if you're trying to reach a large audience, then you're going to be as comforting as possible. But if you don't care about a large audience, then you're going to, and you care more about the truth of the situation, you're going to, in that case, uh, I think, go for whatever is most honest to the story. Yeah, that's very true. I think that that when uh, when you look on... We've got kind of got that separation going on right now where when you watch stuff on PBS, 
you expect it to be true. Mm-hmm. And when you watch like something on a regular channel, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect them to have that high standard. So right, right. I think we kind of got that. Or you watch a movie in a theater, even if it's right. um, a historical drama, it's still a drama. Yeah. And I understand that point of view that things are going to be changed. They're going to change some plot points to make it perhaps more exciting than what really happened. And I think that a lot of people that claim to be purists to the history um, might not uh, have a problem with perhaps if um, I don't I don't know exactly how many. Uh, aircraft were shot down, but I know that they had huge losses right. during that. And if they showed maybe a few uh, fails at trying to drop the bomb on the dam and crashes and burns and all that, and then they eventually hit the dam and it, it busts and everyone's happy, and they went after multiple dams too. But if they perhaps played with the actual sequence of events to make it more exciting, more deliberately intense toward the end, you mean I don't like know the how last many people Twilight would have. Movie? Where uh, there was I, actually I no action whatsoever. No action at all. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> for, there, but there was only action okay. in the movie. For, Dar- for Daryl's understanding. Yeah, okay. I'm and, sorry, and, I no, but no, this is that. an excellent point. This is actually yeah. brilliant because it's a it's it's a a movie taken off of a book. Okay. And no, and and in the book it works fine because you got a book you're reading and you don't need action you don't need a visual sequence. Right. But uh, in the movie you need that. So it's very interesting in the book. What ends up happening is they is somebody can tell the future and shows the bad guy. Hey, if you do if you attack us, this is what's going to happen. You're going to die and you're going to lose and all these people are going to die. It's going to be horrible. They don't talk about it in the book. They just say the the bad guy goes ah. Well, I'm not going to attack you then. And that's it. But in the movie, you see what he sees. And you see this whole action, this whole huge, awesome action scene take place. And then all of a sudden you find out, oh, that didn't really happen. It was just this vision. But it was cool. So hmm. it's, it's, I think that's a perfect example of how you can take a medium and be true yeah. to it mm-hmm. while doing an, an immense change to the original idea. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Well, I'm think, sorry. I, I think just the, have to say that because that popped in my head. Just yeah, so. oh, it's okay. good. Yeah, that's that's good because I, I agree with you that every medium is different and it plays to its strengths. Or at least ideally it does. It if you completely transcribe <laughs> a book into a movie, then you wind up with like a 42-hour movie that no one wants to watch because yeah. it's going to be drawn out. And um, There are also certain conventions that work really well in one medium and not so well in another. Uh, For example, in printed media, anything you read, um, it's much easier to get into a character's head. This is kind of like storytelling 101 here, I suppose. But, um, you know, novelists do that all the time. They tell you exactly what a character is thinking, what their intentions are, how they perceive something. In uh, something like a film, that's a lot harder to carry out, especially if you just have a scene between a couple of actors on screen. Um, unless you start doing Herman's head where you have like a little, you know, angel and demon pop on someone's shoulder and tell them like, you should do this or you should do that. You don't really have a direct point of view into their conscience. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I definitely get you on that level of, you know, translate for the screen. And I think that also works in the perspective of history. Historical events don't always happen in the most exciting, dramatic way. But when you bring it to the big screen, uh, I'm okay with someone changing some minor things to 
up the uh, level of excitement and, and make it come across as a good movie. Or to stretch it out so you can make three movies out of one book. Yeah. yeah. Like The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> or technically, they did the opposite for Lord of the Rings, too. They took one book and, oh, and made three movies out of it. But the book was publishers well and i think this is part of um storytelling too you got to look at the idea of subjectivity and and objectivity uh i'm a teacher and i've been teaching uh charlie and the chocolate factory and what we did with our kids is we uh read the book and then we watched willy wonka and the chocolate factory and then we watched charlie and the chocolate factory the new one and we compared and contrast them and what I had to let the kids know is, you know, they look at the pictures of the Oompa Loompas in the book, and then they look at the little, you know, squatty short guys from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and be like, hey, they don't look the same, and they're singing. Yeah. And then they look at the little one guy that they computer-generated a bazillion times in the new movie and be like, why do they look different? And you, you start explaining to them, well, it's because everybody sees things differently. And this person saw the Oompa Loompas this way, and this person thought of them this way, and this person thought of them this way, and so you, you, you come to subjectivity. How do you see this? And that's why it's a creative work. I got to tell you, though, in uh, it's great that we have a, a it's great that giddy we have pig. a hamster running. It's a guinea pig going. <laughs> what are hey, What is that's a rat? That's, yeah, that's okay. a rat. We've got a rat in a, All right. in a wheel. That's the thing that we got to discuss right now, as before, because we're going to get too far into this. Yeah. Is the question is, are these animals making too much noise that we need to start over? No, well, no, we don't. Have okay, to I just want to make I don't sure. Think so. All right, because it, it makes be, me laugh every time I hear that wheel run. When we get boring, <laughs> at least the background will still be entertaining. Yeah. People will listen for. Hey, they're it like, could be a drinking game. Every time they hear the rat run, <laughs> they can take a shot. Dude, so they we'll get laid out right now. Man. That <laughs> rat hasn't stopped running since we began. Yeah. <laughs> Our listeners are going to be well, not sober. So you were saying, Daryl? So I was saying, purist might not care if maybe a sequence of events is portrayed slightly out of um, sequence uh, based on history, but they would care about someone's name being changed, especially when all the other ones weren't. So I don't know if that's right. I don't know if it's wrong. That's, I guess, what we're here to talk about. Yeah, and that's kind of a good point because you're talking also about history, reality, truth. Right. You know, and, and with the... You know, you could look at you could look at Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the book, as that is part of history too, and you could say, "Oh, it cannot be changed." Right. But strangely, uh, different from most books and movies and things of that nature, there's not enough in there to make a good movie. You really have to stretch it out, which is what they did in both of the movies. But you get the whole creative license idea when you're looking at something truthful, something from the past, especially something that's to do with war. You know, you've got to be very careful about where you put creative license, but you have to because if you don't, you gotta. You can't do the whole thing. There's no way to make it just you know tabula rosa. This is exactly what happened because well, you need that, stories. That's the problem too is that in history, up until recently anyway, history was from books or from mm-hmm. um, just verbal, you know. Uh, but or books paintings or and the books were written by somebody, somebody who had a perspective, somebody who may have had an agenda. And so our historical uh, accuracy is only as good as what we're getting from our books. And the books are written by the victors of wars. That's a good point. So if the Nazis had won the war, I think that our history books would say 
quite a bit different than what they say now. It's and if so, a movie like The Damn Busters had been made, it would have been from a completely different perspective of these are the villainous, treacherous people that yeah, caused so much destruction yeah. to innocent civilians. Because yeah. really what they did was and they had, busted dams and killed a lot right. of civilians that lived in the villages below. So it hurt their war effort, which was the goal, but it's also from a different perspective. What they were doing was something treacherous. Right. So. And and when you go back, if you took today's technology back there to record all that stuff, they would be recording their mission. They would be having little uh, cameras up everywhere. Reality so TV. It would be, yeah. Well, that's what, and I think that brings on a larger topic, which is the popularity of reality TV today and the fact that it's really not reality TV. I mean, it's still story. Everything here is yeah. following a formula because... That's way back the Greeks figured it out, you know, that Socrates figured out that our brain has a certain way of looking at, at, at what it uh, what it sees and how it comprehends it. And there's a formula to what we what we how we uh, bring it all together and how we uh, what, not categorize it, but uh, what's that called put put things in certain places. Right. There's uh, also exactly what you're talking about. They now have a channel called True TV. You probably yes. know that and their yes. tagline is not reality, mm-hmm. actuality, yeah. right. which means they're not showing you reality. They're creating this yeah. pseudo reality, and they're calling right. it actuality. Right. And you know, you watch the what's that one? Uh, a hardcore porn uh, pawn. <laughs> <Yeah. people. laughs> well, where you're going there? Depends which time. Of I've night seen you're. that hardcore right. porn. And it, they're always <laughs> having people. <laughs> They're always having people coming in and causing problems, and it's horrific. Wait, is that the one with the porn stars on it? No. Or, oh, wait, that's no. Pawn Stars. Pawn Stars. My Hardcore okay. hey, hey, first time oh, I... That's one thing about true... <laughs> hold on, hold on. Station. First time I saw Pawn Stars, okay. they, were, they were actually trying to pawn a chess set. And I turned it on, and it said Pawn Stars on the bottom, and I was like, there's a whole show about chess... Oh, <laughs> seriously! It just was one of those weird timing That's things, awesome. right. and I was like, "This is stupid." And then later, I heard, "Oh, your pop star's really good." I'm like, "What's the?" It's the chess channel. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. go back. I didn't mean to. If golf gets his but own if channel, you watch the one on another channel where they're, uh, what's it called? Um, it's the one in Las Vegas. The pawn. Yeah, star. it's pawn yeah, stars. Pawn stars. stars. There yeah. you go. Um, that one. That you hardly ever see anybody get upset on there. There's no, you know, it's because the other one is really not, it's planned, it's staged. Those are actors coming in to cause problems. You said it was True TV, right? Yeah, True TV. Yeah, the thing I noticed about that channel is almost everything they run is an also ran. Like they take the name of something else, like Pawn Stars. And they flip it a little bit, so now they've got hardcore pawn, yeah. and then they make it stupid. Yeah. Okay, just really what they do is they take it and make it fake. Okay, on that channel, world's yeah. dumbest. Oh my god, I've seen all these episodes. It's fantastic. I recommend it for anyone out there. Well, okay, that, <laughs> world's dumbest is great. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it, but I mean, I, they're, seen that I don't think that's an original show. For no, them, it's, it's Smoking right. Gun originally came up with it. Right. So the thing is, their original they, they took it. Yeah. Is they're very, very derivative and. You know, derivative can be okay as long as you take it in a positive direction. But I think they take, they derive stuff and they make it worse than it started as. So, yeah. Oh, well, I'll get off my soapbox. Well, no, but no, I think there's a good point. I mean, once again, when we come back to what we were talking about earlier, is there, there's a certain formula the way that we expect to see story. And just to go back a little bit, when I was in, uh, when I was, uh, 
going towards my English major, you get two camps of people. You get the people who are trying to learn how to be writers, to go to the, the, the mass public, and then you get people who just want to be different. They just want to be the next oh, yeah. literary sensation, and they want to do something different, and so they try to go outside of this norm of storytelling and you know sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't but mostly it doesn't yeah i mean uh kale and i often talk about our our favorite uh author uh who who wrote ulysses i I know because when i say favorite author that's being sarcastic with air quotes because it's one of the worst books ever. I couldn't get through it. I did get through it, but man, it was bad. Because they were doing a train of thought. Just, this is how I think. And they're trying I to make story I go different. read that in second grade. Okay, no, you didn't. No, you no, didn't. There's was that, was that no, 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 no. It's not Ulysses like the Greek one. Okay. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. It's not Odyssey or anything like that. It's He based it off of that idea. But no, it's it's about this guy's. Thoughts. I was going to say it's an adult book, but I wouldn't. Count. No, it's not. It's, it's not, not like your hardcore book. porn. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's it's, it's it is literature. Adults. It's in the it's in the cadre of literature, literature, and it's it is different from anything you'll ever read, and it's horrible. It I, is. New drinking game. Every time Daryl says something monumentally naive, <laughs> <laughs> you just call this drinking game. Yeah, because yeah. you know, like I should have realized. Oh, the real ones by Homer. Homer. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, it, it was it was hard. But that's what happens. And, and uh, I used to have professors, and I talked to, peop- to people there, and it'd be like, "Oh, they want to do something different and interesting." One of the best professors I had was like, "You don't. There's there's archety- archetypes, 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 archetypes. Yeah. archetypes I think it's ch. I always confuse. Yeah, you could have an extra. But you've got syllable you, in there. Yeah, you've got the quests. You know, the the coming of age idea. You know, and there's all these journey. things. Exactly, these things that have come up from years before and are still being used today. And I, you look at any episode of anything that's popular and interesting, it's because it follows this somehow. Mm-hmm. And then you look at things like Ulysses, and some people like it because ooh, it's different, but. Uh, there, there was um, a handout I used to give out in my class uh, when we would talk about how to write our um, screenplays and everything for these shorts that we did in class. And uh, it was something I ripped off from a website, and it, the title of it was The Oversimplified Aristotelian uh, Story Template. And uh-huh. it was just summed up in like a single sentence. It was basically a protagonist um, struggles against an antagonist while striving to achieve a goal. That mm-hmm. was basically yeah. the whole and every did a whole book about Okay, that. yeah. Right, right. So every you know that but I understand that's not the only no, way to go about a story. But you're you're right. Story. And that's, that's a basic and a good right. way to go. That's right. actually I learned that over and over again and I think I learned it most in one of my film scripting classes and I still remember it to this day it was fantastic that they said in a movie, in a film but also in story, is you have a character who's put in a situation and they are forced to go towards a cliff. They have to jump over it or jump. Uh, not it wasn't a cliff. It was like a crevice in the ground. Mm-hmm. And they have to jump it. But they can barely make it. They make that jump. And that was their adventure or whatever. And then there's another crevice they have to jump. And it's bigger. Mm-hmm. But they can't make any other choice. They have to go towards that next right. challenge. And they right. have to jump that. And they have to jump it. And they keep jumping these things until it has affected them as a character so much. They have done the 180 degree turn where they are no longer the character they started out as. They're almost the opposite character. Mm -hmm. And then you put them in the same situation they were in at the beginning, a similar situation, and you see how much they've changed, and that's the frame of it. Right. And and that was one of the best descriptions, uh, I think, of story.
storytelling ever, and it really focuses on so much in so so much popular literature over the years. Which is not not to beat a dead horse here, but part of why I would really love to talk about Looper. <laughs> Damn it! Because the thing is, he has. Wait, that is a word. No, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna get we into it. But, but he right. he That's has something he hates to... about the ending, and I'm really curious because I'm at odds with you about this. Yeah. I liked the ending, yeah. So I want to I want I'm looking forward oh my to having that. I still want to see it. So it's going to be a week from now, you know. But the thing is, like, I'm we're sorry. like Siskel and Ebert here having a yeah. little yeah. like. You know, you're having your Gene Siskel I, I moment because you're that down actually on everything. We would have watched. Why do you hate everything? Why, why do you have to be like that? <laughs> dude, dude, hey, you're dead. No, no, I love it. <laughs> and I'm I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> but I, I uh, wish that we would have watched that uh, that damn Busters, so oh, that we could have. Well, but I th- yeah, I thought that like it wasn't required viewing though because it's more or less that point about oh just make it's just what you got to change the name though because yeah. I just keep thinking MythBusters. <laughs> Adam Savage is the damn Buster. <laughs> <laughs> With him is Jamie Heineman. <laughs> and the thing is, he Maybe can not. change history because he's going to live forever. You know, yeah. so he's going to be able to change history and make sure we're we don't exist. For those of you who haven't seen it, that's a little bit of a. Oh yeah, head towards uh, the what was I don't remember what it was called. The wasn't it the thousand it was year old one man? of the curiosities? Yeah, it was where the one one million year old no man. thousand year old the first thousand, thousand year old man and right, it was right the first thousand year old Adam man. Savage right. played himself and he but it was like a thousand years ago and they're doing a documentary on how he survived this whole thing. It was, it's very cool. Yeah, hmm. it's worth watching. Yes. Definitely. Anyway, uh, so well, I, I know you want to move us on, but. Before we forget about the damn busters, because I'm ready to That's let it go. That's actually where I was going. Back I'm ready to, to so let it go. Works. But before I do, I just wanted to mention that uh, it's been cited that the end of the movie where they do the, um, they have to like fly airplanes down uh, rivers toward a dam that they're trying to hit with a bomb, and they're, they have to be very precisely placed. Well, it's said that that movie <clears throat> was big inspiration for Star Wars ah. <laughs> because it's a lot like the trench run on the Death Star. Ah, yeah, Very I can see cool. that. And I can see that. It, it's kind of like it because they're going down like you know a river with the hills on either side. It's not like they're in a trench, but um, then they're you know occasionally getting shot down because they're getting anti-aircraft fire, and they have to make this precise drop. It's like the uh, photon, proton, proton, photon, photon torpedo. Photon. Gosh, that's Star Trek. Wait, that's Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, Proton. Proton Torpedo is Star Wars. Interesting. Wow, my nerd cred before. just suffered big time right there. <laughs> so take another drink. New drinking game. <laughs> when, when nerd cred suffers. When nerd cred suffers. Yes. Well, I think uh, a way to wrap it around is to l- let's discuss the idea that uh, any f- story is going to be subjective based on other things that that person knows, like Star Wars was fiction, but it was based off of the trench run, apparently in this uh, in this in Mythbusters, I want to say Mythbusters Everybody again. borrows from busters. everybody Damn busters. Right. Exactly, right. but what I'm trying to say well, here is again, that, he also borrowed from Akira Kurosawa Right, yes, exactly and, but, that, oh, yeah. but we can even Both say that the Damn Busters probably had some influence on something else, sure. so we see everything as story. Like, even when we read a history book, in our heads it's becoming story. So it's almost like everything we see is story. Mm-hmm. So we almost 
we don't even see the truth. We see story anyway. So in a case-by-case you know, case case basis, every movie is true in that respect. I think what you need to do is be true to the movie and the characters in the movie. And Kale and I talk about that a lot. And I think that's a good area to kind of look into, what it means to be true to the movie mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. And that's why a lot of authors and, and also screenwriters have big problems with people who make their books or their screenplays into movies is because... They are wanting to make sure that the story stays true. Right. And, of course, filmmakers, they're trying to make a great movie. And Mm -hmm. sometimes those comes at odds. And I can't remember exactly who it was that said this. He was a writer. I think it was Hemingway. And he said that you have to write. You have to be, or when you edit your books or rewrite, whatever, that you have to be willing to kill your children. (laughs) And... That what that means, of course, is that you have to be your cherished idea. You have to be willing to give it up to make the story work. Yeah, I think your first version is more accurate because the latter part was too many words for Hemingway. Oh, all right. No, yeah, that that's a pretty famous quote there, and I, yeah. I agree that it's um, it's definitely true that you. That's the pain of editing anything. Yeah. Um, you know, editing. Um, story versus editing video there there are oftentimes where you're just in love with your content and you don't want to let yeah. it go but you have to. and you can tell oh, when yeah. somebody makes a movie and they do that yeah and you go oh man you should have left that out because you're bored yeah <laughs> right. right you know and I, i'm interested daryl to know if you've with your uh with your how you've done storytelling if, if you've come across this because kale and i have had this happen with our writing we don't always know. Often, we don't know how the characters, or where they're, what they're going to do, what they're going right. to choose until they do it. Right. And people who don't write a lot of the time don't get that. Well, it's your character. You're making it. How do you not? Sometimes you don't know because the writing just happens. And right. if you're being true to your writing, then what happens happens. You don't. Right. Your characters take off and they go in a direction. And you might have had one through. direction which you can go. Yeah. But you have to stay with what works. And have you seen that in what you've done? I think. Um, a lot of times serendipity plays a big role in mm. things because starting things out, I often don't know how to wrap something up or how to conclude it or how to make it entertaining. Like I have something that sounds like an interesting story, but I don't know if it entertains or not at the time. And sometimes what it takes is to brainstorm with a group of people. That was an exercise I did with my students pretty often is we would just brainstorm ideas. Um, and generally what we would do is we would throw everything at the board to say, mm-hmm. we're going to do a particular type of film, just throw all your ideas out there. But then as we went along, we would choose certain ideas to play with in our heads. And once we got further along, we would start developing it into a bit of a storyline. But I think some of our best ideas came up where we were just stumped by something and somebody somewhere just blurts out this punchline or this ending or this uh, thing that a certain character would do. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like all the pieces fall together. And you yeah. see, it's like that missing piece of the puzzle you're struggling for. Right. All of a sudden, someone puts it in there and you realize, oh my gosh, that fits. And it makes everything around it work all of a sudden. You know, it's interesting that in story, conflict is what really runs a story. And in a way, in storytelling, it's conflict that helps make the best stories mm-hmm. because you're just saying there how you know you're stuck and then something it just falls together but without that adversity you would never have gotten to that point right and i'm just thinking about the special they had on firefly which i think all of us agree is one of the best written shows <laughs> ever 
And the fact that they... Except for Siskel here. Yeah. <laughs> no, he I know he likes it. Okay. Uh, that the the threat of being canceled, which no, they were it. looming over them, is one of the reasons their stories were so amazing. And I can yeah. just see what it must have been like with them when they had to come up with in a weekend with one with the idea of the train uh, the train job because yeah. they had to come up and everything fell into place just like you said. They they didn't think they could do it, but they did, right. and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who does that expertly, and you know it is South Park. Yeah, exactly. Have you South seen? Park. Did you have, watch that special? Have you seen they, the special? Mm-mm. Oh, when you get you'll have a new respect for South Park if you watch the special. It's called uh, Two Days or One Day or something. Oh wait, yeah, Seven I, Days. Seven Days with yeah. South no, Park. No, 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 no. It was because they only do it. They do the whole show in like one day or two days. So well, they, they actually seventy-two hours or something like that. Right, I've seen they, that they have it on Netflix. I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. worth watching because they do the they they show you going through days. the. Maybe. I think it was three days. Yeah. Um, three days, yeah. Three days to air or something. Uh, yeah. They they show it for an episode, an episode that's not really that good. It's the uh, I sent a pad oh, one, God. which yeah. is not really a very good episode. <laughs> but seeing how they put it together in just this short amount of time is incredible. And knowing they do that, with, knowing all they do that with all their episodes, it's just incredible that they do that. Like like twenty four hours, before, like less than twenty four hours, they're sending it off to Asia to get it, like the animation done and everything. It's just incredible. Wow. Like the day before, they're in the booth recording the voices. Yeah, it's right. just it's just the amazing. Day before you see, it. and they say like, well, originally we were doing like a week, and then it came down to like. You know, five days, and then somehow it just ended up like two days before we just start, you know, getting things together. And they realized yeah. that all that time they were just screwing off, yeah, and they weren't really doing anything, and it was a waste of time. So that's why they realized we got to this is how long it takes because that jogs us into action. And storytelling, I think, is like any other sort of skill that you can master. And when you become a master at it or, or just proficient at it, then it's not something that that you necessarily need a lot of time for and i think subconsciously you know we're saying things fall into place serendipity but it's really your your skill at being able to tell a story you're finding these things yeah there's no magic except the magic of your own brain working in the background creating everything and then you bring it out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's why I'm, i'm a little scared to to uh have my new book go off to the editor because right. I, I want, I'm going to get back the criticism you, that I haven't had yet. <laughs> and you're going to have to kill some babies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That uh, sounds kind of like Looper. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> they were, okay, it's not babies. Exactly, but <laughs> you said you were going to say anything. Uh oh. Now he's thinking. It's, See, um, he's going to have to go home and watch it just because it's going to. I'm ready to watch it. It's downloaded by now. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is one of those things where you tell me something and I'm trying to. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Unthink it. Unthink it. And you know, then I'm just thinking more about it. Of course. Now you see the the white yeah, elephants. Honestly, though, that's not a terrible spoiler. <laughs> no, is no, it? It is, no, because yeah. it. it like if ever, you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it yet, it's not really going to yeah, give any. Yeah, matter. but my yeah. mind goes in certain areas, right. and especially the time travel and <laughs> things. It's like when I, I was in one of my film classes and I hadn't seen Fight Club yet. Somebody gave it away. I was like, no, no, I didn't hear that. No, he's not the same. Oops. No, you know. Oh, some, whoa, hey, whoa. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm like that, but most of the time. I can hear it all about it and still enjoy it. I cannot. The only thing that would... Hate that. Something like... Um, come on, say it. 
M. Night Shyamalan, Blah 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 Dang Ding Dong. His first movie, Sixth yeah. Sense. Yeah, that would that would totally <laughs> run it. along a Ding Dong, right? Oh yeah, if you know the ending of that. Yeah, beforehand, that, that one it would totally harsh. ruin it. Oh yeah, that's quick harsh. story on that one. Yeah. When I first saw that, I remember everybody saying how great it was. Nobody told me the answer. I saw. It yeah, that's right. Daryl and I yeah. saw it together, and and I remember that part where before you find out the mm-hmm. secret, where the kid's there, he just did the play and everything, and I'm sitting there, wow, it's wrapping up, and I'm like, this isn't that good. Why is everybody all like, woo, great yeah. movie? And then the twist happens. The twist happens. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it goes back and makes the whole movie awesome. Yeah, I'm right with you there because I wasn't I wasn't feeling it up until that point, and it's not necessarily my kind of movie. Yeah, but it really it was that twist that made it very Hitchcockian. Yeah, it was just Definitely. so, but excellently executed, and the yeah. fact that I missed it, which actually this will kind of lead into what I one of the topics I was proposing here, which is Excellent. that um, should. Um, is it appropriate for storytellers to dumb down to the audience or is the audience actually that dumb is another <laughs> question about that because if you think about it something like um, what The Sixth Sense did if that movie had been you know dumbed down by you know, executive pressure or a producer saying oh no one's going to understand that we got to uh, keep it at a third grade level you know so everyone will understand you know, it would have been a horrible would have movie, done that, right? Except for the twist. They they would have done that to the yeah. movie. They would have messed with it. But when every... Because I've read about it. Every producer, everybody involved, the second they found that... They saw the twist, they read it. It was like, none of the rest of it mattered. You want to direct it? You want to do this? You want to leave it like that? Fine, fine. It's going to be a fantastic movie. Everybody's going to love it. Yeah. Because of that twist. And so, actually, if it... If it hadn't had the twist, they would have messed with it, I think. Right. right. And it would have been dumbed down more. Mm-hmm. And so the the thing um, about that is, again, when I saw that movie, I was kind of surprised that how much the ending was broadcasted and the twist was broadcasted ahead of time that I missed it. Yeah. That's the part that was surprising <laughs> to me. And the thing is, um, I think that a lot of times... That threaded the needle so well that it was like they gave you just enough that you didn't quite get it. A little bit more, and there would have been a lot more people watching that would have realized ahead of time, oh, I see what's coming, right? And I think that's part of, as a storyteller, one of the things that you have to do is um, be smarter than your audience. Yes. And uh, that's kind of... um, you know, since we're here professing ourselves as storytellers, we're saying, "Oh, we're smarter than everyone else." I don't know if that's appropriate to say that, but you no, have to you have to outsmart people. And the thing is, you, you I think we've all learned from Facebook that we are smarter than ninety five percent of America. Well, <laughs> that's the kind of high horse I don't want to get on. Though. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, hold on. But you've got you're using smart as like this all encompassing thing. You know, if right. if if you're if you're a uh, I don't know, you're a mechanic. You know, you're you're smart with cars. You're smart. Any mechanic is smarter than you're I am a with a car. With cars, that sounds so good. <laughs> you're smart with cars. <laughs> and then mechanic people. I'm a brilliant person and as smart with cars. <laughs> and they're them dims is smarter than me. But they, that doesn't mean they're smarter than me in everything. So I think if you're smarter than someone in storytelling that doesn't mean you're okay. smarter than them I think that's the, the problem is it's the whole term smart yeah you right. know it's too generic it's, it's intelligence yeah you know and different that's why you now understand there's so many different types of intelligence yeah. because your yeah. spatial you know analytical 
is what they used to test. And if you tested high in that, oh, you were a genius, but you were only a genius in one area, you know? Whereas if you look at Prince, he's a musical genius. Yeah. And if you looked at Michael Jordan, he's a kinetic genius. Mm-hmm. He, his body is a genius. I would but not want to play Xbox that. Connect with that guy. Oh my god! <laughs> Think of the size the base, of the living room baseball, you would need. Then you'll win. Seriously, <laughs> a tall man right there, jumping, yeah. jumping to make this guy on the raft jump. I, that would be that would be bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm kicking it old school with like launch so, games for the Connect because I don't really know what's modern on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been keeping up. I, I think the point is there's no real genius. Except for Val Kilmer. <laughs> I saw that. But too. And See? that was a good movie. That did follow yeah. the correct uh, storytelling arc. Ways. So yeah. speaking, arc, speaking of Mythbusters, they tested the myth about if the, all the popcorn exploded in the house, would it actually Oh, yeah, that was, that was great. Yeah. That was they great. did that on one episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Off, off to the side there. But okay, yeah, okay, well, okay, maybe so we're not talking to... about um, overall um, intelligence as a, an umbrella term, but I think that. There is a consensus, though, that uh, and, and some things back this up, like the popularity of of a bunch of reality shows and things like that. That maybe we don't have the most discerning general audience out there. And if you're oh. designing something for the general I think, audience, I think are the rest you, of the world thinks that the South are just a bunch of inbred idiots. They've Here, got to after Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, here's here's an interesting way of looking at it too. Uh, with reality TV. Mm-hmm. They did a, and I can't, I don't know where this came from. I just heard it on the radio years ago. Um, they did, but it was one of those experiments where they're trying to see the humor of different uh, parts of the world. And, like, for example, Europe had a very dark humor. And a lot of it was death and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, which they found funny. Because Russia, they, they, um, a lot of dark humor. They used taboos. Yeah, exactly, to, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and, and it had to do with death, and it was just, it's stuff that we won't, we don't find quite as, as funny over here. And Australia was like slapstick, or I don't even remember what the other one was. But America, I remember because the biggest and most popular comedy in America was it's to make fun of people for not watching Looper. Well, you got the first part right. <laughs> make fun of people is to put yourself above other people. Right. Find that funny, make yourself feel better. And if you look at reality, reality TV, and I can say this, I'm not trying to separate myself again because I can say this because. I judged people when I was growing. I still right. judge people. We all do, but I mean, I I think I really did it a lot to make myself feel better, and I finally realized that that's something I did. And then I started noticing it around me. And then I and now with reality TV, that's what it is. You're looking at these poor saps, and you're going like, "Oh my God, that's a da well, da." That's true because everyone <laughs> watching those shows wants to put themselves above. What exactly, and, and so that's... the story kind of even takes back seat because. You're being entertained because you feel so much better about yourself. Look right, at that person right. do that. So I think that's one of the things. I mean, but they can't just show that person like sitting there picking their nose because that's not going to be entertaining enough. They still need well, story. Be entertained for about five seconds. Well, yeah, I know that's true. Just but like then, farts. But yeah, exactly. But then, but then you still <laughs> <Maybe> need. Let's <10. laughs> oh, test farts, right now. I'd go oh, for fifteen. 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 Terrence and Philip. But uh, reality. I mean, you you just. It's not reality. It's back to the whole reality actuality thing. I mean, we're we're looking. They, they take these shows and they create them. They look at what they've got and they make a story out of them. I yep. hear running. Yes. <laughs> By the way, the Joe Schmo show's back. Speaking of reality, they haven't they haven't done it for like ten years because they have to. The Joe Schmo show is on Spike, 
where they have a re- what they say is a reality TV show, but there's only one guy there oh, that's, that's right. not an yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about him, and it's all based on how he reacts to it. Right. And so this time they're doing it He's with... He's the Truman. Yeah, it's, it's like the Truman Show. It's really awesome, and they're doing it again with a bounty hunter. Very interesting. Probably one of the more real reality shows out there in some respects because you're seeing what's going on. But I think that's also a story, a lot of it, because yeah. it has to be. Well, once you accept the fact that it's not all 100% true, then I've been able to enjoy it a little more. Uh, I was at, at one point, I hated almost every reality mm-hmm. TV show. Yeah. Hated them. After I, The only thing, I watched Survivor the first time when they had the first season. I liked that. After that, yeah. I was just, oh, I couldn't take it. But all of a sudden, about five years ago, it seems they the shows became more positive. There are certain shows popped up that were positive, mm-hmm. like uh, Extreme uh, Makeover Home Edition. I love that show. And they yeah. were doing something incredibly positive. And now I watched The Duck Dynasty, and they are just hilarious. Now, how much of that is planned or not? I think I think maybe situations are planned, but these people are just genuinely funny. Yeah. And, and it's not about putting people down as much as it's comedy. And right, I appreciate that, and I think that that it's. I think reality TV started to get popular because of the whole, you know, I'm above you, put you down, I'm judging you, and a lot of that's still out there. But I think yeah. it's evolved to the point now where we've realized that you know there's stories to be told. They just have to be <clears throat> carefully arranged so that people will watch them. And so storytellers in reality TV are still storytellers. They're just manipulating the stories which are going on. I guess sometimes it can be more biographical. And I the way I would illustrate that is I think you could point to the very first reality program was likely cops. Mm, yeah, good point. And that's yeah. real life drama mm-hmm. because you know they're not probably not um getting actors to commit crimes and then have the cops come wrangle them up, you know. So it's no. it's real it was that's one thing is that it had a certain legitimacy to it because you figured yeah. it was actually just camera crews out with uh, police on patrol and you got to see real drama and real people being stupid, etc. Yeah, that was always entertaining to see. Uh, but then I think about maybe um, something that came along later, like a movie like The Comedian. In a way, that's a little bit of a behind-the-scenes um, story of what Seinfeld went through. Um at, on his day-to-day tours and everything, after his show uh, had run its course and everything, he was back in the comedy circuit, and it kind of hmm. shows showcases his life behind the scenes. <clears throat> Never and that, that wasn't that was following a celebrity around to see a slice of his life. You know what Seinfeld's right. reality is like, and I think in a way, what you're talking about is some of these shows are starting to transition to being more biographical like that, where it's more like, okay, let's see what some interesting person's life is like. Not necessarily to put them down or to make yourself feel better because you're seeing someone in an awful situation, but you're seeing a professional dealing with real issues. This is a one of the most successful people in yeah, the like world. Yeah, like the Osbournes. And the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, just like them. Well, wait, wait, wait. I think you've got an interesting way of looking at it. Because even before Cops, we're looking at like PBS, yeah, where right. you've got educational television, yeah. which is probably sure. the closest to reality TV, and then coming from this other end, which is reality TV, why are you pointing at your guinea pig like that? 
Because he wants to come jump out of there. He's oh, saying, and you were like, no, no. <laughs> I just see you going. And you know what? The more I did that, the more he leaned out. So he's like an attack us. Stay in your pen. But uh, we started at one end, which was educational TV, and the other end of this reality TV, like the Osbournes and everything, and, and now they're kind of our meeting in the middle. I mean, you get the whole, uh, I should have never taken a zip line tour or whatever. Is that the Osbourne oh, effect? That was the South, South Park, Park episode. <laughs> oh, my god! People get to see that. It's that pretty funny. funny. They, they, they did a parody on the I should have, shouldn't be alive, but it was... <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I made a stupid joke. Yeah, <laughs> as <What>? usual. <laughs> oh, I'm what? sorry. You're surprised? <laughs> we, no, I'm not surprised. I just uh, missed it. Usually, I catch him and go, "Oh, yeah." Uh, you said you said that happened with the Osbournes, and I said that must be the Osborne effect. But if I have to explain it, it's no longer. No, you don't need game. to explain it. It yeah. wasn't funny. It's yeah. okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a tech. Tech geeks are laughing. Okay. Uh, no, but I think that I think it's important to take a look at. There's a difference between reality TV and educational TV, and they are meeting somewhere right now. Mm-hmm. I think educational drama. T- you're actually starting to see docudramas yeah. on PBS because it now it's it is reality, but they're making things, positioning people and things so that when the reality happens, it's dramatic. From a neurological point of view, we take everything that we see and make it into a story. I mean, we're always mm-hmm. looking at stories. Our daily lives are stories because. That's how Did our brain works. Did we just time travel? Back about five minutes? You said that exact thing. No way! Identical. We okay, everybody reverse and see that I said... I don't think I said that exact same <laughs> It was very similar. Damn it. I was going on a different tangent, though. Oh, okay. well, go ahead. Go ahead. Now I don't remember what my tangent well, that, was. I think I understand <laughs> what you're saying, though. That, I'm the interrupter, so I... I that was a tangent that. in my head I thought we were going to take, but then we were going elsewhere. And I, I, I so thank you, Daryl. So. Thank you, Daryl, not Kale. I was just returning <laughs> us to the original tangent. Yeah. And yes, I do repeat myself. I'm aware of that. No, that's fine. Actually... Call me out when I'm repeating myself. No, no, because I, I just thought that was awesome because it was identical word for word in my head anyway. Really? I apparently, you know? we'll, we'll check this out That's later. I, thought it was cool. I apparently do that a lot. I've heard that from other people. <laughs> As a teacher, I apparently do that a lot. So you have to. That must be why. <laughs> so, any, now what were we talking about? I already forgot. Okay, you're saying that neuro, neurologically. Oh, right, neuro, I didn't say neurologically the first time. That's that was right. new. That was right. Uh, but neurologically, yes, we're always seeing stories, and so even the most uh, educational sh- story is going to be has to be made into a story of some sort. Agrees, the guinea pig. Yeah, he liked that. He definitely liked that. Oh, he likes this too. How about this guinea pig? Okay, never mind nope, that. That didn't work. Right. I think you scared so, him with the silence. <laughs> the tangent I didn't really want to follow when you said that the first time, but let's go for it anyway, uh, was that neurologically you're filling in a lot of gaps Oh yes, as you go along, and that's how you form story, and I think that in a way, you know, it's just human nature historians are going to do that too the history books, as you said, were, are written from a perspective, and no one was there to see everything you know, think of something of the scope of World War II and all the different things that happened with it, and all the different people and uh, Armies and modeling, huh? Modeling that's what our brain does, yeah, right. Our that's model what, of the world, right? Yes, is represented, and then uh, so like even historians, historians have to make a model of what happened in history. I guess that's yes. a, I think that's a better way of putting it. C.S. Yeah. Lewis once wrote something, 
Eddie was in my class when, when we... For Mr. McQueen! This is yeah. for Mr. McQueen. Yes, so you might have got this, too. <laughs> for everybody, that's from high school. No, that's from college, oh, actually. Oh, Pasadena you City College. Yeah, Eddie oh, and Darren, we all went to Pasadena was, City College. We've all been to Pasadena City yes, College. Yes, actually, yes. <laughs> that was critical thinking class. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Mr. McQueen's critical thinking class, or it might have been 1B, which was a different one. I don't remember, but it was all about... C.S. Lewis said, when you... Uh, well, what's the big train station oh, in England? Oh, think of... Um, Oh, yeah. Grand Central Station. Grand Central yeah. Station. Right. You don't think of everything in it. You, you might see in your head a picture of a, a postcard picture of it. But in your brain, you're also considering everything that comes with it. The trains that are coming and going, the, the rats that are running under the floorboards, and all the stuff you fill in, even though you're not thinking of the it at the time. Wheels. It, yeah, exactly. Okay. It, you're modeling it. And so you can take it apart if you need to. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. You fill in... Oh, the rats and wheels would be the one over there making yeah, that noise. Exactly. Yeah. I smiled. You see me? I smiled. Yeah, well, I saw the smile and I was like, I'm missing something and I'm still talking, but I'm missing something. Let me see if I can figure this out while my Darryl lips are moving. I just wanted to see if I would catch that before while you were talking. And I didn't. But I yeah, so the, this postcard was... picture we have in our head, this model, can be taken apart and we can see, we can fill in the blanks of any part uh, to. to fit our purposes. That mm-hmm. doesn't sound right. Well, because we, our needs. we can't comprehend the entire Right, exactly. So we, we have very... to model it. Yes. And we, are, we have imperfect senses. We have imperfect attention to the senses we have. So we only see little pieces, we fill in the rest. And every time we remember something, we change it again. Yeah. And it co- yeah. gets re- we re- put in our memory. It and it becomes a new a, memory. Yeah. yeah. And that's how yeah. some people can get to the point where they Totally remember something that right. never happened. Yes, and, and it's one you can say witnesses are are completely unreliable. They oh are. yeah, they had this this whole thing on the Discovery Channel with um, where they had a fake crime and then they tried to get people's ideas of what happened and right. everybody was way off. Yeah. Okay, I shouldn't say completely unreliable, but very unreliable. Very unreliable, I think, would be better. <laughs> but it's also scary. what separates us from, you know, all other animals. If you think about it, it's really the sense of modeling because, you know, dogs have memory. A lot of mammals have memory, and but they don't use it like us to create this model of the world and being well, able to retrieve the, from where it. Where the change happens, it's in when you have self. You make a model of yourself. Right. And when you, when well, when you can understand that you are thinking about yourself. Yes. Metacognition. When you're self-aware, you know, there's very few animals that actually are self-aware. Mm-hmm. Dolphins, uh the great apes, us. Well, we're, we're great apes, so that... Sky. Nice. <laughs> um, actually, Hell. and I just saw this thing which was saying that chimps, even though they know that they're, they're kind of self-aware of themselves, they're not aware that other people are self-aware, which is one of the okay. huge separations from us. Mm, empathy. You yeah. need to be able to have and, and And chimps don't have that because yeah. uh, I don't remember the exact experiment, but it has something to do with dark sunglasses and they learned that, you know... You, that they couldn't see when the dark sunglasses were on, but they put them on someone else. They didn't make that connection. It was actually a really great experiment. But uh, and I, I hope we can talk about this maybe in another podcast. Is the idea of who we are, like brain wise, because I believe that I mean we've got this whole body under us, but most of it's not un- really under our control. Most of it's just going on doing its own thing. We feel like we have control, but I think we're really this small part of the brain where we model ourselves, modeling ourselves. And that makes us, and that's all we really are, is we're just hanging out there. So, so that you're makes saying that there's just a small part we have control over, and the rest is 
Well, it, from Automatic. there, the thing is that's not exactly true because a lot of a lot goes through that part of the brain. Yeah. Because that's how we've evolved, so we can control our legs and our arms and everything. Well, pretty soon Ray Kurzweil will tell us why that is because he's creating the first artificial uh, at Google, mm-hmm. and he started this month. City. Well, and that's he is the he is now the uh, engineering director or some. Director of Engineering at Google now. Interesting. He's full-time there right now doing that specific project of trying to basically create a software agent that is smart enough to actually serve you as a software agent. Siri (laughs) 2.0. So, But what what I was saying is that because what we are is really just uh, a mod, we're just part of us is modeling ourselves, modeling the world. That's really what we are. Once again, back to storytelling. Mm-hmm. That makes storytellers the very essence of what humanity is. I could have said that better, but I couldn't think of a way to put the words around. So <laughs> it, I, works. Okay. it works. Yeah, and we so. just rolled past an hour. So woo! Happy maybe, one hour. Maybe that was a good. But we're not going to cut it yet. No, I think we can keep going. Okay, I think right. we can. Well, I, I'm just saying that I <laughs> even think though story- that was poignant. Storytelling is perhaps the most important. <laughs> Metacognitive. Metacognitive. Damn it. Well, how about this? Hey, wait, how about this? I thought about this. You th- you're thinking about yourself. Thinking about I am. yourself. I really am. So, okay, so wait. Right. That, that's this level of intelligence. So, the next level of intelligence is being able to think about yourself, thinking about yourself, thinking about yourself. Let's do it right now. Wow. Uh, I'm smarter. <clears throat> wait, I just. Felt what? like I had the seven rods inside of me, or whatever the, the seven cause. <laughs> and the seven rods. What seven cause? The gears in my mind just went apart, and this the wheel is spinning free now. I don't even have intelligence. <laughs> well, the wheel stops spinning. Oh, that's what it is. That's <laughs> the wheel in my mind. There's just a rat in there. <laughs> I could see that too. Kale's ratty mind. <laughs> well, uh, Bringing back to storytellers and their audiences and the whole thing about <clears throat> cognition and uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up there, whether we, you know, we talked a little bit about the um, idea of smart versus not smart for audiences and, and whatnot, whether or not you want to use that exact term, I think that you have to be in a, um, as a storyteller, you need to be in a position of knowing because you know where the story is supposed to go, and your audience is hopefully in the dark about where it's going. Well, and I that's somebody, what creates the the interest in your story. If the moment they figure out where the story is going, they're very likely to lose interest in it. So you, yeah. in, in that respect, have to outsmart the audience. You have to outmaneuver them, whatever it is. Mentally, well, you have to play these gymnastics where you um, mentally me. get ahead of them right. before they get there. But you have to reveal to them before they notice what's going to happen and back to this whole thing about the model of ourselves and everything that ties in perfectly with one of the other points i had to make was that um i think that in general if you do a self-assessment um there are a lot of studies out there that just show that self-assessment is flawed because almost everybody puts themselves above the median but Half of everybody should be below the median, yeah, as, as its point. definition, right? So the thing is, you know, you'll you'll do a survey of self-assessment um, amongst law students or something like that, and you'll say, "Hey, how many of you are doing above average in your studies?" And you'll get like eighty percent of them saying, "Yeah, I'm above average." So yeah. I think 
in a way, you can wind up with storytellers falling into that same trap because they might think, I'm so far above average intelligence that my audience is going to be so far below me, I'm not going to have too much of a challenge outmaneuvering them mentally. See, but that, uh, that's for most people. That wouldn't be for us because we're above the median. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Actually, this I is for other actors. You know? <laughs> of course it's not us. Because we're above the median. <laughs> if we were below the median, we'd know. <laughs> exactly. Oh but God. we're not. You know, the, the thing is, is that I wish I remembered who the person said that said this or where I saw it. But they say that almost all uh, television and movies are made at an eighth grade level of thinking. Right. Because that way, you don't dumb it down too much for... Mm -hmm. uh, smart people and you don't uh, bring uh, but you can bring up the people from below to that level uh, well we got to remember it's entertainment too so you don't want to think too much but it's also about intrigue and and well and what I was gonna say about you know being uh, ahead of the audience something like back to Firefly I've watched that so many times over and over again I know what's going to happen but I watch it again and again and again and it's yeah. always good and I think part of that is um, because there's different layers and yeah, you can find I, new I was about to say that's yeah. kind of like an onion effect because yeah. you can keep peeling it and you find more and more underneath the more yeah. times you experience it and um, that's always good too because I think yeah that's that's mm -hmm. where the truly above average writers um, that's where they make their grade because I think people who do want to go back for double dipping, triple dipping, watch it over and over again, they can realize something new about a nuance of what one character said and how it relates to foreshadowing of something coming or their relationship with the character. And you might not have caught it the first time, but you didn't realize the status of their relationship until later actions happen. So right. those are things that are easy to miss the first time around because someone might be kind of provoking someone with fighting words that you don't necessarily realize are that kind of context until later on when other actions happen. Then when you go back and review it, you go, oh, wait, they were starting to pick a fight there and I never caught it the first time around, and that becomes and, exciting yeah. again. And Firefly is a good example of that because when you watch it uh, the first time, it's a, you know action-adventure sci-fi type show, and that's what you're seeing. But then you start to watch it for character development, you start to watch it for the interplay uh, between plots. I mean, there's just so much depth in that, and yeah. it's one of the reasons like Babylon why Babylon 5. Which I still which need to watch. We both have seen. <laughs> I haven't and you seen haven't. that. Ah! I haven't seen that much of it. My I God. I... The thing is, is that this is where I love Babylon 5, and I know Daryl doesn't really like it. I Well, I've watched That's a few episodes. Said. Come on, fess up to it. You said that. Did I? You you said you didn't like I it. I think I was saying I wasn't into it enough to really delve in and now, watch I, it. I could so. believe that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I... I'm because really, I've watched only like four or five well, episodes. Oh, I wow. So I guess who's the odd man out now? Oh, now the guy who's watched all the episodes. No, no, see, you guys are the odd man out because it is awesome television. And the reason, one of the reasons, not just because he's a fantastic writer, but it's because this five-year story arc and stuff on the very first episode. I do like that. I, I like is that. Yeah. all the way through. And so he builds this story and you still get entertained every week well that sense oh it's beautiful that sense of continuity builds yeah. a model of the universe and, and, that, that ah, the nice is. turn or bring, hey, it, it's just bring it back a thing wonderful storytelling and yeah. since you love firefly as i've said 20 million times 
You will like Babylon 5. I know. I just need to... Here's another thing, too. Um, just in re- relation to different mediums, even though it was the exact same thing, uh, I realized I got a deeper appreciation for Firefly when um, I downloaded... Someone made screenplays out of it. Like, they either found the original manuscripts yeah. or they translated it or something. But um, I started reading the screenplays for Firefly. And what's kind of cool is that um, it allows you to slow down a little bit because when you're watching it, right. people talk fast and they're moving from one thing to the next and they got to squeeze a lot into their hour program. But when you read it, I I came away after reading a few of the, the screenplays for that show that there's not a single wasted word between characters ever. Like and that's everything good they say, everything they that's say has something behind it. It has a yeah. purpose, and it's not always to move the story forward. It's to give you a deeper understanding of that character. It's to let you see into the mind of someone and their relationship with someone else. It's always it, it just it, it doesn't have no, to move it forward. It's just got to be relevant. That's the thing. Is it? It just needs to be relevant to what's going on. They don't have to actually move the story forward. Yeah, yeah. And that's what was so good about Firefly. Actually, that was one of the. It, out of all the classes I took, we'd hear that over and over again, that any story that you had, anything that happens in the story has to have some connection to move it forward right. or be relevant to the story. That's why when you watch movies and TV, you'll notice when somebody is done talking on the phone, they don't say goodbye. Because <laughs> yeah. you don't need to say goodbye. You're hanging up the phone. You're showing That's you're true. done with the, the call. I never th- noticed that they never. They'll say hello because it's <laughs> right. kind of expected, right. but goodbye, they usually just hang up the phone. In real life, that never happens. If you hang up the phone without saying goodbye to someone, they'll be like, calling back, what happened? Are you okay? Yeah. You know, you know the, the real life version of that is goodbye. Yeah, I yeah. love you too. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, we'll probably hang out that... Yeah. Okay, bye. All right. Yeah, bye. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's See why, you later. If you ever talk Nighty to night. me... Bye. When I say okay. goodbye, I actually hang yeah. up. So you may be talking, but I'm gone. Well, the three, after I say goodbye, it's done. I find it strange that the three of us advice. are doing a podcast because <laughs> right. the three of us probably hate talking on the phone probably as much as anyone oh, in the world. Here's really a little story here. Uh, Eddie, Jared, and I, friends from high school, went to Germany. We had this phone card we found, and we decided to call home. And Hey, we're in Germany. You know what we called? Daryl. Hey, Daryl, we're in Germany. We snuck out. We're on a payphone in the middle of the street. Isn't it cool? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> no, we're in Germany. It's so awesome. Oh my god, no, we're calling you. It's like middle of the night here and it's daytime there. Is that awesome? I'm all like, uh, yeah. what do you okay. want from me? I'm making cheesemus for you. Come on. We <laughs> <laughs> you know we left that movie for you to edit, but man, it's cool. Okay, talk to you later. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know what was going on that day. <laughs> I, I realized I wasn't very... No, but you're just, you're like that on the phone, and so am I, and yeah. so is Kel. That's why texting for us is so much better. Actually, yes. Because I never... We can send off a text, and we don't have to hit... Hey, wh- why aren't you answering me? Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly, yeah. We don't have to make a story out of it. The whole thing about the long goodbyes thing, <laughs> i got to say one of the worst... Uh, people I've ever done that with is Mike Vasquez. <laughs> really? Yeah, when we get on the phone, just... We'll say goodbye for like 15 minutes straight. It'll just be like, okay, later, wow. bye, see ya. It's bad. So <laughs> You should have him call me. <laughs> I'll say goodbye and let him talk for <laughs> the next half hour to himself. Because I'll be rude like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a very rude person, but for some reason, that's like, I, it gives me license to be rude about it. Once I say goodbye, 
then if you keep talking, then that gives me the right to be rude. So, yeah. so are you saying goodbye to this podcast goodbye. right now? Perhaps we are. I think we're saying goodbye to this podcast. I think well, this is, I, if this I, I say goodbye, Ross, then I'm going to have to get up and walk away. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. You got headphones on. You're going to trip and fall. Well, I'm intelligent. He's going to take the whole podcast. Being the 95%, I will take my headphones off before I walk away. Right. Uh, right, there's one so, other thing I was thinking about maybe we could get into that but that would be like morality tales or getting up on a soapbox do, do, okay we'll just do that fast you okay? have to have as a last minute thing to do, okay morality tale. you you have to have some sense of you have to have a moral compass okay. yeah of some kind my moral um, compass is pointing straight up well I gotta I gotta say I, I think I get turned off a little bit by seeing um stories where you can really tell the authors up on a soapbox uh trying to get their point of view across but then again that's like well, it where she puts her clothes on huh oh aren't we talking about uh morality what yeah we're still not talking about morality? is she a porn star what? i don't know we and morality porn stars <laughs> yeah what what porn stars oh, okay. I missed something. Um, okay. We'll sorry. rewind and check it later. Back right. to what Daryl was saying. So we should have probably had this editing clause just in case. No, no, no okay. No. <laughs> so morality, the porn star. Yeah. Wait, no. Um, <laughs> no, that's stuck in your head, isn't it? All right. Okay, I'm going to put that down right, in the, the show notes. That's totally morality. That sounds like a graphic novel, actually. Morality, the porn star. <laughs> Watch your battle... Her battle evil with her boobs. You know, I feel bad about this because I probably should have just went with the flow and let the podcast end itself. <laughs> but then I'm all like, no, I got to shoehorn in this last idea and let everyone. Uh, all right. I think we're done. Uh, so let me, just to finish this up, uh, okay. I don't listen to a lot of pod- podcasts. Neither does do this I. sound like a podcast? It kind of does. Oh. Yeah. Especially if you listen to the Vergecast, which I kind of thought would be our model in a way. They're, um, there's Virgins? a tech, no, they're uh, Virgin tech. cast V E R G E. Oh. Uh, the, verge. Oh, like they're on the verge of something. Yeah. Yeah. They're, the they're verge like of being with a podcast. girl and they're at CES then right they now. They still would be technically virgin. virgin. Their podcast literally end just like this where they go like, okay, we're going to end it now. All right. Everyone's done. Right. Right. And then someone else is like, oh yeah, but you know. So well, okay. It's a lot like All this. right, then I guess yeah. we're gonna end it. So this is see the way I see the podcast ending is because the only podcast I know really is Comic Book Men. Because okay. yeah, so, me too. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> and I'm watching that. So all right, this is Joey Shamel. This Kale Anderson and Daryl George. And remember, some sort of comic quote, comic quote. Thank you. Goodbye. We ended with a comic quote. Well, that's what they do on. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can now stop screaming at the open air. Listeners should put their minds back in their upright positions and resume traditional thinking. Find us on imrambling.com for access to all of our weekly ramblings, show notes, general discussions, and any projects for incoherent ramblings. Like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. So long, and thanks for all the fish.